electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Steve Grosso, Brian Kelly, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Tonight on Fast, we are at the halfway mark for Q3 earnings season, and there is a slew of big names still on deck to report. So in the spirit of Halloween, we are bringing you the trades on these stocks in a trick-or-treat-themed version of everybody's favorite game. Plus, crypto goes meta. It's not, not all about Bitcoin and Ethereum. The altcoin's getting a boost thanks to Mark Zuckerberg's big rebrand. And later, so bad it is good, the healthcare stock that might just be the medicine you need to add to your portfolio. But we start off with a Rorschach test of sorts for investors. The yield on the two-year Treasury at its highest level since March of 2020, it is up a whopping 30 basis points in September, and that sent the spread between two and three 30-year Treasuries to its lowest level of the year. But like any good ink blot, not everyone will see the same thing in these charts, so we want to peer into the trader's souls tonight. Tim, what does this move tell you? <laughs> Spooky. What can I tell you? No, it's it's is it is it ghoulish? Uh, like it's it's maybe something that's ultimately good news because uh, again, back to March 2020, we were digesting the 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 depths of the pandemic, and I think we have a better idea, fortunately, socially where we are right now. Um, some normalization in bond yields is great. Um, we do think that the Fed has overstayed their welcome. So really, it's just a question of uh, we al- always talk about the velocity of moves. So, uh, you know, the move here for the two year note uh, from 20 bips to 55 at its peaks pulled back a little bit um, is 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 extraordinary. And that chart, if it was anything else, uh, would look parabolic. Look at what's happened in Canada. Their two year note has gone from 50 bips to over 100. Uh, and you, you've we talked about the Bank of Canada um, putting the brakes on dramatically uh, in terms of QE and, you know, forget the taper. Um, you've had other central banks around the world. That's been an interesting part of our commentary. Look at yields in Europe. Think about Christine Lagarde talking about where inflation may not be so temporary across the European Union. These are things equity markets really have not paid attention to. Look at that surge in the dollar late day. You know, could be technical, could also tell you that people are a little bit behind um, where the Fed actually may come in here faster may have to now. So I, I think it's worth noting on a extraordinary week for, for earnings and markets near all-time highs and VIX near lows. And that scares me a bit. So happy Halloween. <laughs> Do you have the same interpretation, Brian <laughs> Kelly, that the Fed may be you know, behind the eight ball, so to speak? We'll have to play catch up. We'll see a rise in rates faster. And we won't necessarily see the accompanying economic growth, which may have otherwise pushed the entire yield curve higher as opposed to just the short end. Exactly, exactly. It's not just looking at one point. It's a picture, right? A Rorschach test. So we're talking about the curve. So if you go out a couple of years, like the five-year, 30-year spread, that's the flattest it's been for a while. And at one point, I believe the 1030 spread actually inverted this week. So the interpretation is then that the Fed is going to raise, is going to taper, potentially raise rates or have to raise rates faster than the market anticipated even a week ago, and that's going to slow down the economy. And that's probably why we saw the other names in FANG, besides Facebook and Apple, actually do pretty well today. Remember, those do really well 
idiosyncratic growth. The economy doesn't have to grow, but they grow. So to me, that's the message from the market. The Fed is going to have to raise rates faster than expected. It's going to slow the economy dramatically. And the only place to invest in equities are names that get growth no matter what the economy does. Is that how you piece it together, Pete, in terms of the move that we saw in, in big cap tech stocks? Well, you know, it's interesting. And I was listening to BK, and I, I find it very interesting. I, I look at this as looking at the, at the two-year, for instance, and it, it tells me there's no recession. Even with this big monstrous move, let's be honest, it's, all you got to do is pull back a little bit further, five years, and take a look at what this two years moved like, and we haven't gone anywhere. I mean, the reality is, I think when you're looking at this right now, yes, I think the Fed funds rate's going to go a little bit higher. I don't know at what sort of a pace they're going to have to go, but I think there's no doubt about it. We will start to see that move probably faster than anticipated. But on top of that, I actually think we do have some economic expansion. Obviously, we've got a lot of the talk about what's going on with the president and trying to work out some deals with infrastructure, all these other things. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. But I think the reality is that we are in a very comfortable spot right now. And I think there's a lot of different names that can work, as, as BK did say, in almost any kind of an environment. I think that there's a lot of those names that actually reported earnings this past week that are great examples of that. So rising rates, and, and Grass, I'll get to you in just a minute, but rising rates still is a green light for big cap technology stocks, Pete, in your view? Well, I don't view it nearly as negative as everybody else. You know, everybody talks about that all the time. They say, well, if the rates go higher, then technology is not that interesting. Growth is not that interesting. I completely disagree. Part of the reason that growth has worked so well is these companies are not just growth companies with no PE. These are companies that are actual companies with great fundamentals on one side of it, and they've got growth on the other side of it. And that's why I think it's a completely different story, especially if you just want to f focus on FANG. But then you can even pull back a little further in, and there's a much more diverse group of technology stocks that do have great fundamentals, which is why I don't, I don't view this as the area that people are going to stay away from. Mm -hmm. I think they look at those fundamentals, Mel, and I think they see that there's plenty of upside, plenty of room, and it doesn't really matter necessarily what's going on with the tenure for a lot of those to still work. See, this is the beauty of an inkblot test. Some people might see a one-eyed monster and other people <laughs> might see a beautiful sunset. So, Grasso, what do you see here? I see a one-eyed monster in the foreground and a, and a beautiful sunset in the background. So I, I, think, I think everyone came out with a great uh, raw shock uh, interpretation, but I think BK really uh, dumbed it down to the layperson. And sometimes that's me. But let's look, let's look back on it. I think the market is just pricing in that the Fed is late to the dance. All, all central banks have been late to the dance. So to Tim's point, when you see uh, Australia and Canada uh, rally off of the, it, it's all a point of reference. If I look back at the two year, two years ago, three years ago, one spot four two pre-pandemic in the two year, in the US two year. So we're not even there yet, and the market is telling us that the central banks are late to the party, and to BK's point, whatever tightening they're gonna do is hypothetically going to slow growth. To Pete's point, infrastructure has not spooked the market into thinking that this is going to be an inflationary environment longer term. So that, to me, is a reason to buy tech, I'm a little more uh, discriminant to technology versus value. I think that the problem that value is going to have is the trade is to flatten the curve when the Fed is tightening. 
that's a rough spot to be in value stocks, and I own a decent chunk of value stocks. So it does have me reassessing what I should own going into the next year or so. Yeah. Um, BK, in your view, what, what is the trade under your interpretation of this chart? I think it's going to sound funny, but I think it's big cap tech, right? So think about it. Mm. Let's say that that my view on the economy is correct or my interpretation that we're going to get some kind of slowdown after the Fed raises rates. Well, then big cap tech should do pretty well because of that idiosyncratic growth they have. Let's say BK's wrong. It happens every once in a while. I know this probably shocks Pete. I know how much he looks up to me. But I would get it wrong every once in a while. But if I'm wrong, then Pete's right. The economy's expanding. And then everything's going to be fine. So either way, Big Tap Cap seems uh, kind of wins. Win, win, win. Everybody wins. I don't know how that could be, but <laughs> somehow it does. For more on this breakout in two-year yields, let's bring in the chart master, Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what do you see for this chart? I mean, if we're getting into Rorschach and Herman Rorsch, I mean, charts are ink blots if there ever was an ink blot. And, and, and that really is important to say because it's, it's very interpretive, very subjective. I have a handful of charts, but what we know is, of course, we were at 10 basis points at the low, and here we are as high as 55, 56. I think we settled in at 49 in the week. But the sequencing at this point would call not for a continuation higher in two-year uh, rates, two-year yields, but actually a pullback or a sideways uh, period, at least till the end of the year. Let's look at a couple of charts. So. The first here is just the two-yield chart, and I've annotated there that very steep sort of almost rhino horn, the move that you all have talked about. We've moved in one month from 20 basis points to essentially 50 uh, and change. Now look at the next chart, annotated a different way, but it's it's the setup that preceded that sort of spike. It was a tight consolidation, working converging lines, and then the big move again from 20 to 50 plus basis points. Look at the next chart. Another way to draw it, I'm pulling the chart backwards. I'm going backwards in time. These setups are uh, what sequencing is all about. You get a big move, then you consolidate. You get a big move, and then you consolidate. Now, this one has been particularly big, but what happens typically from here, whatever this would be, whether it's a commodity or something, is that you consolidate. Look at the final chart. And, you know, um, again, longer term, sure, one could say, well, this is still very low compared to where it could be, where it should be. But... The day-to-day, week-over-week, or simply 30-day move from basically 20 basis points to 56 on the high this week, the sequence here, the ink blots, would call for sideways or down at least to the end of the year. All right. Carter, thank you. We'll see you in uh, just about 20 minutes on OA. Um, Tim, does this change your view? I mean, if the two-year ends up going sideways or even pulls back? By the way, I'm glad we clarified that this, we're talking about, uh, you know, blot charts. I thought you called me Horshack and these guys, you know, sweat hogs. And, you know, I mean, I, I thought it was a version of welcome back Cotter here. I, I really didn't even hear you at first. So, so like, I, I think Carter always points out, first of all, with a level of, of, of calmness and reasonability that some of these dramatic moves have to be followed by either some type of a backfill, et cetera. I, look, I think the trends for rates are higher. I ultimately think that that's good news. I, I think to the extent that you're seeing bond yields around the world in places that, that aren't necessarily uh, driven by the same fundamentals as here, but certainly are going to be responsive, uh, like every other yield curve in the world is to the U.S., are actually well beyond where they were at this period at the beginning of COVID. In other words, Australia's back to 2.5%. 
19 levels and maybe moving even higher. These are things to be worried about. But the trade around this ultimately to me is we are still in getting we are still getting some growth. I think we do have some inflation. And I think all of those trades that are more reflationary and industrial are in very good shape. So I wouldn't run too far away from big cap tech. But again, they came into this week at all time highs. And we saw where a couple of them kind of failed. I mean, I, I think I think Amazon of the th- of the big five looks the most interesting, not least interesting based upon the price action. But again, I, I love energy here. I love resources. How about those U.S. steel numbers? How about some of the industrial companies that I think really are going to accelerate into normalized even growth? We don't have mm-hmm. to see five, six, seven percent GDP for some of these big industrial companies to continue higher. And that includes autos as well. All right. Coming up, we are playing a very spooky version of Traded or Faded to celebrate Halloween. But don't be scared. The traders are helping you navigate the tricks or treats, the stocks that are reporting next week. Plus, the new face for Facebook is giving a couple metaverse crypto names a boost. Our resident crypto baller, Brian Kelly, will help break down the moves. Do not go anywhere. Fast Money is back in two. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. We have a massive valuation of our company right now, and we need to grow into that valuation. And I think a way to do that is to expand the appetite of AMC and reach beyond just being a pure movie theater play and do other things as well in the future as we did movie theaters in the past. We have a lot of ideas on that score. Like moving into crypto, uh, doing NFT commemorative tickets. Um, That was part of my interview with AMC CEO Adam Aaron, which is part of our new digital documentary, How the AMC Apes Cracked Wall Street. You can check that out on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash CNBC. It's live right now. Well, we're gearing up for another big week of earnings. A ton of names on deck to report next week. So how should you be trading them? It is time for a Halloween version of America's favorite game, Trade It or Fade It. So are these stocks a trick or a treat. I hope you guys can understand this without me, you know, having yes. to actually spell out the rules. Um, we're sure going to kick things off fine. with Uber reporting earnings on Thursday. Tim, trick or treat? Big treat, Mel. Kind of like getting a Three Musketeers bar or Nestle Crunch rather than a Snickers <laughs> or 
a Reggie bar. I, I mean, look, look, they gave you a treat on their 8K that they released in the end of September. They've actually been outperforming Lyft. I, I think Uber long term, I, I know they've been much maligned and I know profitability maybe looks farther uh, in the future than, than Lyft. Actually, I mean, they obviously gave you great insight into July and August. And I think the profitability trends are, are pretty decent. I love the super app component of where they are with uh, not just restaurant, but but non-food deliveries, the acquisition of Drizzly, et cetera. Uber is a treat for everybody this Halloween. See, Halloween candy is like a Rorschach test, too, because I would have taken Snickers over Three Musketeers any day of the week. Yeah. Um, Pete, your thoughts with on Uber? Well, <laughs> well I, I, think, I think it's a big trick, quite honestly. And I'm with you, Mel. I'm on the Snickers over the Three Musketeers every day, including Sundays <laughs> twice, let me tell you. But in 2019, <laughs> when these guys IPO'd, they IPO'd at what price? 45 bucks. Do you know where the stock is today? Yes, below 45 bucks. So this is a company that we've always been waiting for that day, that earnings and everything else. And we continue to wait. They lost $5 in 2019. They lost almost $4 in 2020. I don't know that the improvement is all that much more this year. Maybe it is. We'll find out. That could be a very interesting trick. But they also have all kinds of regulatory headwinds. This is a company, when you look upon their cash versus their debt, it's double is on the, on the debt side. I think they're bleeding too much cash. I think this is a real problem. They've got to show us that they can make money consistently, and regulatory and everything else, I think, is a headwind. All right. Next stock, Viacom CBS, also reporting on Thursday. Steve Grasso. That's going to be a treat. So I'll go treat there. Snickers, I concur. And if you look back at Viacom from March, from that steep uh, decline that it took, it took a, uh, the Snickers. So if you, it, it, it had a basic cut in half, more than cut in half. It lost 60% of its uh, price just based on a fund that had to liquidate uh, that and a number of other uh, topics or a number of other stocks, I should say. For this, for this one, though, I think that this is building a very long base. We all know what that means for the stock. It's taken a very long time. A time I agree. I'm still long it personally. I do believe that we are going to rally, maybe not back to that $100 price target, Melissa, where it started from, but definitively somewhere in the middle there. So I'm looking for a proper bounce in Viacom. And by the way, um, Kit Kat and Twix superior to Snickers, which is superior to Three Musketeers. <laughs> Brian Kelly, what do you say about Viacom? Oof. <laughs> wow, the more you know. Who knew we got a candy lesson today? Um, well, for me, you know, listen, I bought the dip. I bought the dip on Viacom on that hedge fund liquidation, uh, and it's really just kind of been churning ever since then, right? Just like my stomach would after I ate all that candy. So for me, it's giving me a bellyache. I want out of this thing, so I'm gone. It's a trick, trick, trick. Yeah, that one. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. All right. Up next, DraftKings reporting earnings on Friday. Pete, what do you say? I think this is a big time treat. This is a company that's growing revenue at an incredible <laughs> pace right now, Mel, and the acquisition of Golden Nugget Online Gaming. That's going to be big. When you look at what the, what the sports betting market looks like going forward from here and the footprint that they've already got, I think this is a company that is really well prepared for the future. Obviously, short term is a little bit different, but the balance sheet is great, and I love what their cash position is. I think this is a company that's way undervalued at this point in time. Grasso? I'm going to say this one is a, is a trick for me, and, and for much of the same reasons that, that Pete talked about Uber. Everyone's waiting for 
the next report on DraftKings. And if I look back at the Golden Nugget acquisition, I'm thinking, why, why, aren't they, why do they need to grow through acquisition at this stage of the game? And if you look at their $20 billion offer for Entain, I think it's the same type of thing. They should have more organic growth. They should have more quality growth on their own. And the stock should be outperforming. It's underperforming. It's still a trick for me. Finally, Pfizer delivering results Tuesday. Brian Kelly. Oh, for me, it's a treat. Absolutely. Look at this thing. We've got the jab has now been approved for 5 to 11 years old. Uh, if yields actually go lower on the 10-year, it's got a nice dividend yield and trading at a reasonable P.E. That's the type of treat BK likes. Tim? <laughs> Trick. It's like getting an Almond Joy when you want a Mounds or a Bounty Bar. Look, EPS is going to fall next year. We pulled forward a lot of COVID love. Nobody wants um, that. Uh, you know, again. That's really cool. Nah. nah. <laughs> The lesson here out of all this is that Tim has bad taste in candy. That is the bottom line here. (laughs) Coming up. No, traditional. Traditional taste. No, bad taste. Coming up. It's not just Bitcoin and Ethereum on the move. Metaverse crypto surging on the back of Facebook's name change. We're breaking down the moves next and later. The options traders are checking into one hotel stock ahead of earnings next week. How should you be playing this name? You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Virtual reality sparking real-life profits. Ethereum token Decentraland Mana and Axie Infinity, an online game built on the Ethereum blockchain, surging today. These cryptoverse, uh, excuse me, I just invented something. These metaverse crypto names getting a boost after Facebook rebranded itself as Meta Platform. So, BK, what's your take on the surge? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the whole crypto market has been very strong uh, today. But the fact that Facebook announced that the metaverse is here, it's a real thing. And one of the largest companies in the world is going to focus on that, got the rest of these tokens going. So you're looking at something like an Axie Infinity. That's a that's a game a gaming type of platform, as well as Mono, which is with Decentraland. That, again, is a metaverse type of play. So what you saw is people trying to express their kind of bullish view on the metaverse that Facebook came in and said the metaverse is real through crypto. And these were kind of two of the ones that stuck out to me today. Are you in either of these or what is your way, if you have one, to play the metaverse? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I'm in Axie. I think that's probably one of the best ones right now. It looks like it broke out. It's had an extraordinarily extraordinary run. They've got a really interesting kind of business model that they've created here. And they've probably got almost all of the Philippines playing this game. And that's a really good thing. So if I had to choose, I would say Axie. All right. It is time now for a final trade on this Friday ahead of Halloween. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour. Yeah, look, Amazon is a treat wrapped inside a Baby Roots wrapper right now. And, and I think people are underappreciating they are in the, the tailwind of a major secular trend. And I'm not so worried about the bottom line. I'm worried about the top line. So you don't like Baby Ruth. Anyway, Steve Grasso. I hate Baby Ruth. No, I, I, I don't think, just to keep the theme going, I don't think we mentioned it, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is the mm. pantheon of where we should have been in this conversation. Having said that, my final trade is Apple. I think that any time you can buy Apple at a discount, it's worth owning it. Remember, the stock is up 8% even Mm -hmm. after the fall today on a month-to-day basis. Petey. Put out your bag, get a Heath bar, and sketchers of what you wear on your feet. That's the one. (laughs) Heath, that's a good one. Brian Kelly. My name is BK. I like Charleston Chew and CyberArk, CYBR. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.